I'm Andrew Bannett. It's great to have this opportunity to speak to you today. We're going to be thinking over the next uh, four talks about this theme, how to stay emotionally healthy and spiritually alive. If you like, it's countercultural spirituality. As we think of life, life can feel like it's been a roller coaster. Moving ever quicker, things happening, the demands of work and the speeding up of that, our home lives, marriage, children, grandchildren, friends, church, hobbies, all encouraging us to go faster and the twists and turns of life as we go faster and faster. But then this year has been like no other because in March we suddenly came to a stop and it was as though we were upside down on the roller coaster that suddenly we stopped. And as we climbed down feeling somewhat disorientated, we looked around us and we began to notice things. We noticed the bird song. We heard it more clearly. We walked, cycled around the place. We took stock, we valued relationships, we played games a little more. Mums and dads had to become teachers and even those who were key workers noticed these things. We missed loved ones, church and social events. We Zoomed and still are Zooming. We shopped but only shopped for essentials and only when we had to. Since then life has begun to pick up some of its pace. There still is restrictions. We're still coping with that restricted life. And who knows how many twists and turns that roller coaster has got to go in the next wee while. But as I walk along the Arbroath Road, I notice the cars have got back to their, their, their pre-lockdown numbers. And life seems to be going back up to that pace. But I wonder, was there something about that time, something about some of those things that we valued that we can take with us? Perhaps give some pointers of how we can be more spiritually alive. A neighbour said to me that his six years of retirement had been preparing for this time. This time of pause. Many of us, it's been an enforced, it was an enforced slowing down, taking stock and breathing. Well, what I'm going to say is that maybe that's part of what we need to build into our lives, whether it's enforced or not. And it comes from a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, a book by John Mark Comer, which I've listened to a couple of times and read. And towards the beginning of a book, John Ortberg, a mega church pastor writes, and a writer, goes to his friend Dallas Willard, who is a teacher and a writer, but more importantly, an apprentice and follower of Jesus. And this mega church pastor asks Dallas Willard this question, what do I need to do to become the man I want to be? And Dallas Willard gives a long silence. Apparently, he often gave long silences before he answered. And then he said this, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. John Oakberg expected more and was like, is that it? 
and he said this, hurry is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life. I believe that Jesus' call for us is to get in line with him and the way he lived his life. And he seemed to eliminate hurry. He could be very busy, but he eliminated hurry from his life. Firstly, some verses. Jesus speaking, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Or I love the way in which Eugene Peterson in the message puts it. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Don't you want to do that? Doesn't that sound fantastic? The rhythms of grace. But let's contrast that with the world that we're living in. Some of you may not need to be convinced of the fact that we have got faster and faster in this world. Others of you are already some way down and slowing down, Re maybe retired or maybe not retired, but you have this sust. Well, if you've got this sust, this slowing down, then you can teach the rest of us. But just to kind of observe how we speed it up, here's some things that others have noticed about life. Firstly, a hundred years ago, we'd have got on average 11 hours sleep. Now we're lucky if we get seven, seven hours. One of the big changes was Edison. He created the electric light bulb. But what did that mean? It meant that we could work longer and longer hours. We could work even when it was dark. It means many of us because we're not getting enough sleep, we're exhausted. We hurry everywhere. We're fast moving. We used to walk. Now we go in cars or in other vehicles. We're digitally connected. We can't switch off. The idea was that as we increase technology, that we get more leisure time. And yet, by most metrics, we've actually reduced our leisure time. We're just working longer and we have less time. Since 2007 and with the advent of the iPhone and other smartphones, it's radically changed our lives. They, one article that I read just a couple of weeks ago in the Times, it reckons that we spend up to three hours a day on our phones. We're more stressed out, we have less leisure time. And an interesting trial is try turning your phone off for 24 hours if you don't think you're addicted to it. Our attention span has decreased rather than increased. In 2000, our attention span was reckoned to be 12 seconds. By 2019, that had fallen to only eight seconds. And that's not really that great, is it? Because a goldfish apparently has an attention span of nine seconds. We are distracted. We're a multi-screen, binge-watching, TV and Netflix generation. 
And the CEO of Netflix was asked what his biggest competitor was, thinking that he would uh, talk about Amazon or Disney. And he said, sleep. That's our biggest competitor. Sleep. Distraction all around us. And John Mark Comer asked this question. My question is simple. What is all this distraction, addiction and pace of life doing to our souls? And I wonder, I wonder, do you recognise in yourself something of that hurrying, hurry sickness, as some would describe it? Here's some of the symptoms. Moving from one checkout line to another because it looks shorter or faster. Counting the cars in front of you and either getting in the lane that has the least or is going the fastest. Multitasking to the point of forgetting one of the tasks. And then further, these are some of the, 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 the symptoms of hurry sickness. Check out if any of these ring true for you. Firstly, irritability. You get mad, frustrated or just annoyed way too easily. Second, hypersensitivity. All it takes is a minor comment to hurt your feelings, a grumpy email to set you off or a little turn of offence to throw you off. Restlessness. When you actually do try to slow down and rest, you can't relax. Workaholism or non-stop activity. You just don't know when to stop or worse, you can't stop. Emotional numbness. You just don't have the capacity to feel others' pain. Out of order priorities. You feel disconnected from your identity and calling. You're always getting sucked into the tyranny of the urgent. Lack of care of your body. You don't have time to do the basics, to get enough sleep, to take some exercise, to eat healthily. Eight, escapist behaviours. When you're tired, you, you, when we're too tired to be do what actually life-giving to our souls, we turn to distraction of choice, overeating, overdrinking, binge-watching Netflix, slippage of spiritual disciplines, or tenthly, isolation, feeling disconnected from God or others or your soul. Okay, you can do the maths. There's ten different things there. Do you count up on seven of them, eight of them? I don't know. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty or really bad, but just that if you want to be a follower of Jesus, I don't think those are the things that we want to be marked by. We want to be marked by learning the rhythms of grace that Jesus has. We want to be with Jesus. We want to become like Jesus and we want to do what he would do if he was like us. So I want to propose that we need, we need to have some spiritual discipline, some things that are going to be enable us so that we're spiritually alive and emotionally healthy. When we look in John 15 and Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches, he says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, when we think of a vine, does it grow without any structure? It would just fall over, wouldn't it? You need a structure for a vine to grow on. I grew runner beans this year. I grew a, so, um, a cucumber this year. It needs a structure, needs some sticks to grow up so that it gets support. You need some support, some strong supports for your life so that you 
can grow strong so that you can be like a vine that grows strong and you need to be intentional with those and put them in place so that you grow well and so that's what we're doing here we're thinking about some disciplines that give us support so that we grow well that we take on Jesus' life that we can live like him and so our first two today or first ones today are silence and solitude all begin with s silence and solitude now i'm not a quiet sort of guy and quite a lot of you know that i like noise and activity and for many of us quiet can feel uncomfortable we want to cover up the sound we want to have noise sounds even boring some of us might remember what boredom was pre-phones remember when you finished a book or you had nothing to do in a waiting room but silence and solitude is not that silence and solitude is about engaging with God meeting him in that place and what about if it's actually the key it's absolutely the key in Matthew 4 we read this about Jesus Then Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Notice there, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led into the Eremos. That's what the, the wilderness is. Or other words it can be for Eremos. It can be the desert place, or desert, or desolate place, or solitary place, or lonely place, quiet place or wilderness it's often seen as the place of weakness and the idea that Jesus was somehow hangry and then the devil comes to him and tempts him after 40 days but actually I think we've got that passage wrong if that's what we think actually this was a place of strength the wilderness the quiet place this was a place of strength. Jesus was at the height of his spiritual powers. So when the devil comes to tempt him, he stands firm. He can stand against him. And if we see Jesus's life and we start to track Jesus's life, we start to notice something. He keeps going to the quiet place. Now, I kind of prefer that as the uh, Aramos uh, rather than the desert place or desolate place, but the quiet place. And we see that actually in different parts of the Bible, in the Gospels, Jesus withdraws to the quiet place. When he comes onto the scene in Mark chapter one, he does a marathon day of ministry, amazing stuff. He's become this star healing people, teaching and doing amazing things. But what does Jesus do at the, at the end of that day and into the beginning of the next day? What does he do? Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus withdraws and spends time with his heavenly father. When you read through Luke's gospel, nine times it says that Jesus withdrew to go to the quiet place, sometimes at night, sometimes in the morning. So don't get all tied up about it's got to be in the morning, it's got to be at night. It can be either time. Jesus just withdrew and spent time with his heavenly dad. He loved to spend time with his heavenly dad. It was a place to meet with God, silence and solitude. We need that in our lives as well. If you're an apprentice of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, then you need to do this as well. And what is it? We need to cut down the external noise. 
we need to switch off. It amazes me everywhere I go. I've done a funeral preparation where I've gone into someone's house and the TV's been on the whole time. Eventually I've asked, can we, can we just mute it? But we allow a lot of noise in our lives. We need to cut down the external noise, turn off the phone, turn off the music, turn off the TV. Quieten down. Turn the noise down. C.S. Lewis, in his writing in the Screwtape Letters, writes about this and speaks about the Screwtape Letters was like these, these devils trying to work out their strategy to stop Christians uh, really flourishing. That was the point of it. And that's the, 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 the story. And, and, and in the Screwtape Letters, it has a demons railing against silence as a danger to their cause, the ruin of a Christian soul. Senior demon Screwtape calls the devil's realm a kingdom of noise and claims we will make the whole universe, universe a noise in the end. Isn't that what we have now? Noise everywhere. Noise and distraction all around us. And we need to be countercultural and have silence and solitude that we might meet with God. Because it is in that place that we will find that our souls are nourished, that we'll find receiving. And it says here, solitude, uh, Richard Foster writes, loneliness is an inner emptiness. emptiness. Solitude is inner fulfilment. In solitude, we're anything but alone. In fact, it's where many of us feel most in connection with God. We connect with God. We receive from God. We need to set aside time to be with God, to listen to him, to receive from him, to be nourished by him. In silence and solitude, what happens is it reduces the RPM of our lives. Our lives begin to slow down. We begin to hear what's really going on internally. We've, ex we've reduced the external noise and then internally we began to hear what's going on and we began to allow God to speak to us in that place. We slow down, we breathe, we begin to get down to what's troubling us, what's there and what God wants to do in us in that quiet place. For me, I have a chair where I sit each day to read my Bible. I do struggle on the days where I have to be out very early and so often I have to take my time with God at other points during that day, those days. And I like to take time away as well to spend time in quiet. I'm not great doing that but I'm trying to discipline myself to do more of that. When I was in Edinburgh and working in ministry in a church I used to take a day a month away. I used to go away to a place, a retreat place, and there receive from God, intentionally walking, listening, and reading. I often found God spoke through trees, and still does to me. Not literally through trees, but speaks and illustrates things through trees. A quiet place to meet with God. But I also want to suggest that we need to resurrect that regular quiet place. In fact, that daily quiet place, the quiet time. It used to be called in the 80s and 90s. I think it's, it's got a bit of an image problem because many people didn't really like the idea of a quiet time because they thought that you could be noisy as well, and you can be. But the point was, in the 80s and 90s, we were encouraged to have a regular 
daily time with God. And I want to bring it back. I want to rock back and say the quiet time, or you want to call it a noisy time, but time with God every day is so important and it can make all the difference. And for me, it has. It's kept me going when I've struggled. And what can be part of this quiet time or noisy time, whatever you want to call it? Worship. Spending time in worship before God. Prayer. Praying to God. Speaking to him. Bible reading. And being with God. Hearing what he has to say to us. Notice I didn't say podcasts or listening to talks. They're good, but they're extra. This is your time with God, not hearing someone else's view about God or about a passage, but your time with God. And reading the Bible, reading the Bible for yourself. Start somewhere easy, maybe Mark's Gospel. There's 15 chapters, so you could do that over, say, 30 days. Read half a chapter a day. Get going. And the Bible says this about itself. All scripture is God-breathed. So it's It's to read the whole Bible. Don't just read bits of it. Read the whole Bible, not just your favourite bits. And that way it will it will nourish your soul. It will it will touch you. It will mean that there's things that the Holy Spirit can bring to mind to help you so that you can resist the enemy, that you can be wise in making decisions. And there's lots of great notes and apps that you can get that can help you to read the Bible systematically. I'm reading through the Bible in a year at the moment and I'm loving it. It has different parts of the Bible and then it has some commentary on it, some thoughts on it. But I then write down a verse from that day that has really spoken to me. But the word of God is alive and active. And in that silence and solitude, he can speak to us through his word. He will speak to us through his word. In Matthew 4, one of the ways in which Jesus answered the enemy when he came to him to tempt him was this he said this people do not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God God wants to feed you you need his feeding his nourishing and his feeding is actually in his word and I want to encourage you get into his word receive from him be nourished by him I'm wondering if some of us are going famished because we're not reading more of the word of God. I want to encourage you, get into the word of God. You don't drive around without petrol in your tank or electricity in your electric car or electricity in your phone. It's just going to stop working. Well, why wouldn't you feed yourself with what's going to nourish you? The word of God nourishes us. So how do we stay emotionally healthy and spiritually alive? Well, the first thing we've looked at is silence and solitude. Go on an adventure. Explore. All of us are different. Some of us will find this really easy and we just love it. Others of us will find it more difficult. That's okay. But spend time meeting God in that silent place, in that quiet place. You will receive from him. You will emotionally become more healthy and you will spiritually become more alive as he speaks to you and you receive from him, from his word, from your time with him. Let me just pray. Lord God, I thank you. I thank you that you want us to grow, that you want us to be changed. And Lord, you want to meet with each person. And also I just pray for every person that's been listening today, that they might uh, go deeper 
in their relationship with you and in their hearing from you. And I pray that they would go further in their times that they spend with you. Lord, we thank you that you're a good dad who wants to meet with each one of us. And so bless us in your precious name. Amen.